Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to today's call. These are unprecedented times, and we thought it would be a good idea to pass on some thoughts on the markets through a voice call format, in addition to a written format that we normally do every month. If you haven't seen our monthly market re report, please ask your financial advisor. With, less, with that done, let's go on to today's call. This call will consist of two parts. An overview from myself, John Bay, Chief Investment Officer at NEI Investments. A more detailed market and economic update will follow from Yufei Man, Director of Asset Allocation and Investment Strategy at NEI Investments. Events of March have been extreme. This COVID crisis is unlike anything we've ever seen. I liken it to part global financial crisis, part SARS epidemic, and part 9-11 in terms of the long lasting effects it had on the travel industry. Earlier in the month of March, there was definitely a sense of panic as we all marveled at the velocity of events that were unfolding. To give you a sense of how fast things were moving, on February 28th, Italy had less than 1,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19. By March 15th, they had 25,000 cases, a 25-fold increase that completely overwhelmed their healthcare system. And this played out in countries around the world. Spain and the USA had similar trajectories. It became clear that the only way to slow this virus down was one, to ramp up testing, to get better data on this virus was, and two, to flatten the curve by creating social distancing that minimized interactions with people, thus slowing the spread of the virus. Unfortunately, economic effects of social distancing are incredibly large. First, we shut down travel, then restaurants, then shopping, then all non-essential businesses, it became clear that the economic activity would grind to a halt, creating millions of unemployed workers and the potential where many small and medium-sized businesses may go bankrupt. So fear of economic activity falling off a cliff meant we saw record outflows in the capital markets. Here are some of the records that we set in the middle of March. Record 20 billion pulled from stocks on March 13th, the largest daily outflow ever. Record daily and weekly outflows in the investment grade bond funds, as well as emerging market bond funds. We saw record weekly outfalls pulled from municipal bond funds, as well as mortgage-backed securities and treasury inflation-protected securities called TIPS. Even gold, a traditional safety asset, saw its fifth largest outflow ever at 2.5 billion over the week. With that many investors pulling the emergency eject button at the same time, it created a term that I'm calling massive dislocation. Normally, highly liquid bonds went no bid, which means there were no buyers for issues that usually traded in the billions of dollars a day range. Speed on the fall of the stock market also set records. It was the fastest 20% plunge that traditionally marks the term bear market fall. Peak to bear the Dow Jones Industrial Average took just 20 days, fastest by far. The second fastest was in 1929 at 36 days. Volatility too has been wild. We saw 5% moves in the stock market eight days in a row with 9% moves or more on back-to-back -back days for the first time since the 1930s. Every day they seem to be an incredible amount of news to digest and new analytical frameworks that needed to be built to make sense of all the craziness that we were experiencing. By mid-month, we came out with our, our own framework on what we needed to see for a stock market bottom. We needed to see three conditions to be met. First, central banks needed to inject enough liquidity into the system to ensure that firms that needed capital had access to it.
thus avoiding another global financial crisis. Two, we needed to see coordinated fiscal stimulus packages from countries around the world addressing both the companies and workers that were hardest hit by the virus. And three, we needed to see new COVID cases on a daily basis to trend lower or at least have an end in sight. So where are we today? In Canada, we saw massive coordinated stimulus uh, announcements on Friday, March 27th, both on the fiscal and monetary side, marking the largest government intervention in the economy since World War II. On the government fiscal stimulus side, it now, the package now totals $202 billion, or over 10% of Canadian GDP. UFA will have more details on this and other points later. Bank of Canada also lowered its policy rate to 0.25% and said it would begin large-scale asset purchases for the first time. Incredibly, the Bank of Canada started the month at 1.75%, a cycle high for interest rates, and ended the month at 0.25, the cycle low that we only saw during the depths of the global financial crisis. Importantly, DBRS also reaffirmed Canada's AAA rating, citing the government's strong balance sheet has plenty of room to absorb large short-term negative shocks produced by the COVID-19. They also noted that Canadian banks are well capitalized and have strong liquidity. Last week in the US, the Senate passed a large economic rescue package, the largest actually in American history, estimated at $2 trillion, roughly 9% of GDP. For comparison, the Obama stimulus package was just half that at 4.5% of GDP spread out over two years. This one will be doled out in just a few months. The Federal Reserve has also been very aggressive, cutting its benchmark rate to zero in two unscheduled moves. In addition, they're injecting also massive amounts of capital into the financial system, adding more than $1 trillion in recent weeks with untold trillions to come. So as a result of these moves, we're seeing a strong, strong bounce back in the markets off the bear market lows. So many of you have done well by resisting the temptation to sell in that panic selling in the deep dark days of the market and are seeing nice bounce backs in their portfolios. So are we seeing good signs? Uh, so we are seeing good signs on the first two points. Where are we on the COVID-19 third point? As most of you know, we saw peaks in new, daily new cases in China and South Korea. We're also hopeful that we're seeing a peak in some parts of Europe, in particular, the hard hit area of Italy, who at the time of writing had a, a last new high of daily cases on March 21st. The UK and the US are among current hotspots that we are worried about, and Canada too has yet seemed to peak. However, we are seeing some positive signs on this front, particularly on the west coast of Canada. For instance, social distancing measures in BC are working with the rate of increase in daily cases having from 24% before restrictions in travel and social contact began two weeks ago to an average daily increase of just 12%. As I said, more tests are also critical. On that, on that front, the US Food and Drug Administration recently authorized new rapid coronavirus testing that could give patient results in as little as five minutes and negative results in 13. On the ventilator front, auto companies and even Dyson, best known for their vacuums, are being enlisted to manufacture these life-saving machines that are critically low in supplies. Interestingly, I read about a Vancouver-based organization that's proposing to build 1 million ventilators in 90 days. How can they do that? By simplifying as much as possible 
with uh, creating a machine with only 41 parts, kind of like a microwave with only one button on off with no popcorn setting. Field hospitals also will be critical and they're being set up and from repurposed convention centers and hotels to help deal with the expected surge in COVID-19 cases. And finally, vaccines are being fast-tracked to aid in the fight against this novel coronavirus. While it's too early to call victory, these are welcome developments in this war, again, uh, in this global pandemic. So with that update, I'm very pleased to turn the call over to Yufei Man, Director of Asset Allocation and Investment Strategy. Yufei, over to you. Thank you, John. And th for those of you listening, thank you for taking the time to tune in. There's certainly a lot of things happening in the markets right now, and the amount of news every day can be quite overwhelming. So I will try to distill all of the investment implications into three main key takeaways. The first is that, you know, obviously markets are very volatile right now. And why are markets behaving the way they are? Well, because stock prices and bond prices, they reflect future expectations for economic growth and inflation and things like that. COVID-19 has basically resulted in what we call both a global supply shock as well as a global demand shock. What does that mean? Well, in this case, a supply shock was created when governments issued social distancing measures, which is forcing people to stay home and thus leads to a reduction in the workforce. And with less people working, it means that there's lower productivity and thus that also leads to lower economic growth. Now, this virus has also created a demand shock. And what does that mean? Is that travel restrictions and people staying indoors um, has affected entire industries, such as airlines, leisure, tourism, retail, hospitality, and they've all been fairly hard hit. Most of you have probably used the app OpenTable, where you can make restaurant reservations online. Across most major cities, if you go on their website, you can see that they've basically seen a, a near 100% drop in, in people dining out. And so most developed economies, they actually rely on consumer consumption as the primary driver of growth. In the US, that number is as high as 70% of GDP comes from consumer spending or domestic consumption. Here in Canada, it's a little under that, but it's still uh, quite a significant number. So since GDP growth is impacted, it also means that corporate earnings are negatively affected and corporate earnings directly tie in with stock prices. And so that explains the stock market losses that we've seen since mid-February. But we've also seen a few positive days during the week of March 23rd. And in fact, as, as John mentioned, the Dow Jones, which tracks the large cap US companies, was actually up 21% last week. And so let's go into the next point. If you've been following the market news, you'll have heard that the 11-year bull market in US stocks ended as of around mid-March. Now, bull markets and bear markets are defined by periods of gains or losses of 20% or more. What you may not be aware of is that with the 20% rally in late March, by definition, that actually puts us back into a bull market, but things aren't over quite yet. And as John mentioned, the virus is still not contained. The three conditions that he laid out for markets to bottom, uh, the first two are, are satisfied. We saw the market rally uh, during that late week of March because governments and policymakers are finally providing the needed response. Every, nearly every single developed country has seen lower interest rates and they've seen their central banks helping stabilize markets uh, through, through these lower interest rates and as well as some even through uh, bond purchases. Now, COVID-19 is different from previous market crises as there is significant human capital here at stake. And if you think back to the 2008 financial crisis, 
the government intervention effectively only just bailed out Wall Street. Now this time we're seeing government stimulus packages that bring relief to Main Street as well. And in fact, about half of the US two trillion fiscal package, um, a total of one trillion of that actually goes to individuals and small businesses. And about a quarter of that, about 500 million, goes to help state and municipal governments. Here in Canada, the federal government announced more than $200 billion in aid to help out individuals and small businesses displaced by the virus. Now, while all of this government stimulus doesn't help stop the virus, it does help cushion the economic impact. And in fact, um, for us, it's very encouraging to see that governments around the world have made it very clear that they are willing to do all the necessary measures to minimize the economic disruption caused by the virus. Now, the third and last point, as an investment manager, what is NEI Investments doing in all of this? Now, NEI has both internal portfolio managers, and we also partner with external portfolio managers from around the world to bring you the best in class, diversified portfolios and funds. Now, during the COVID-19 pandemic for the last several weeks, our investment team has been having daily meetings in making sure that we are setting the right asset allocation in your portfolios. This means frequent adjustments of stock and bond allocations to make sure that we're taking the appropriate risks in your portfolio. We're also having regular discussions with our external portfolio managers or sub-advisors to understand what they're doing in terms of picking the right companies that your fund invests in. Oftentimes during market crises like these, as the entire stock market sells off, it actually creates opportunities for stock pickers and bond pickers to pick up some companies at very attractive prices. Now, in all of this, you're probably also wondering what you, need be, what you need to be doing as an investor. If you're already working with a financial advisor, you probably don't need to do too much at this point because the most important decision you need to make was already made. Remember that know your client form that you filled out early on? That helps the advisor understand your risk tolerance and what your appropriate asset allocation is. That's part of your financial plan. Markets can change all the time, and this time it may seem like things are changing a little more than usual, but chances are your financial plan probably hasn't changed. And if it has changed, talk to your advisor. And even if it hasn't, talk to them, because they too can help you understand and make sense of everything that's happening. Thank you for tuning in.